0: Welcome to episode 37 of Series 3 of Cherry Jam. Uh, myself, Ed Price, Jim Harley and Lawrence Landry. Uh, Snowy, I think, still stuck in Spain. Um, I, saw
1: I, about, I
2: saw him on a plane. I is oh, he on a plane now? His mate, his mate was doing some um, childish gestures. Oh, yeah, that's but it right. might
1: be a plane without enough staff, so it might not be moving. <laughs> well, yeah, he
2: yeah, could still be on the runway. Be on runway. Loretta had a four-hour sit on the runway the other week coming back from Gore-Fu, so.
0: Yep. Uh, so yeah good luck mate and uh, and then russ um you know he's still selling in with his um with his uh, little lads so um you know congratulations to him um and you know we realistically you probably won't hear much of russ uh probably until next season uh if we're being we're being realistic about it but anyway uh moving on so um we're going to talk about a couple of things. First of all, uh, Gloucester's defeat to Harlequins is just seem an age, age away since that game. Uh, we weren't able to do it the, immediately afterwards because no one was in the country, I think, pretty much. Uh, I think um, Loz was, but you were kind of getting people back from people being yeah. off in the country. Jim was, uh, where were you, Jim?
1: Remember this last yeah. weekend? Oh, you were in,
0: you were in the, the Netherlands, weren't you? In a crazy, crazy. Well, that
1: was that was the week. yeah that was yeah. last weekend yeah yeah. I only just got back. Of our, our flight got cancelled. Mm.
0: Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about who you saw in the, the Netherlands in a minute. Uh, that was
1: weird,
2: no?
0: Yes, and uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is offensive on so many levels. Anyway, the uh, and. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but every everyone was abroad or not here, so that that was uh, that was why we couldn't do it. Anyway, um, I, I'll just do my little bit about the actual um, experience of Twickenham. Uh, I, again, it's the first time I've been to watch a club game at Twickenham. ooh, in a good number of years, mainly because the last time I went to watch uh, a club game at Twickenham was involving Gloucester, and uh, yeah, we lost then too. Um, anyway, the uh, the whole experience of the day was fantastic. I have to be honest, the uh, the way that they did it made it a big. Uh, sort of festival for the day um, even Craig David even Craig David Jim I thought actually it was actually good Craig David was decent uh, it was good yeah, uh, it, come
1: on <laughs> Kez,
2: or- <laughs> no, Kez. He, you know,
0: <laughs> he didn't have a parrot I'm pretty sure it was a kestrel but anyway the um the uh he didn't have his parrot oh, well, whatever, okay. <laughs> anyway um
2: the, people won't know what we're on about. No, this. no i know the i know the other know. half won't care
0: won't care quite uh, anyway so we um yeah I, no i thought it was generally a good day i mean and let's be honest the first half was superb brilliant rugby and um I thought this is going to be, you know, the turning point in our season. We're going to qualify for the top four. We're going to win the Premiership. Back in in a couple of weeks, and then the second half happened. Uh, Jim, I know, Loz, you didn't see a huge amount on the day, but Jim, you watched it. Uh, I'll let you go ahead with the your review of the game.
1: So it was it was really good, a mm. really really good start. 30 minutes in, my wife's spending 80 quid on tickets because she wants to come to the Saracens game. Um, I'm like, really? It's quite a lot. That's quite expensive mm. um, for, for her and uh, my youngest. And, um, and then it was kind of like second half. We just, we just never got control of the game. No. Obviously, we had, we, I think I didn't appreciate uh, until it was kind of mentioned post-match that um, I think Quinns had had their bye week and they'd obviously had time off. So they were a little bit rusty and we didn't capitalise on the lead that we had because all we had to do was just control the game. We threw the, I mean, God, we threw the ball into their hands twice, I think, in that first half mm. and and g- gave them incredible territory and gave them a try. Um, so if we'd have just been just a little bit better in that first half, even being as bad as we were in the second or maybe Quinns being as good as they were in the second, um, we might have actually hung on uh, and got a win. But um it's... It's a game that proves to Harlequins their never say die attitude, so they will they will love that clearly that they can go into any game and be it you know big big deficits on the scoreboard and still have confidence that they'll come through um, victorious, which is really positive for them with um, with their few matches coming up. Um, and for Gloucester, it's just another one of those. Well, what have we done? Um, what kind might of just. Have yeah, um, and I really hope that you know the boys come together a little bit and properly perform on Saturday um, in what potentially could be the toughest game of the season. Um, obviously, Saracens have had a week off, and I would, I'm going to talk talk about it in a minute. But um, you know, we talked about Saracens maybe being a little bit um, resting players, but they've had a week off, so I'm. Yeah. I'm disappointed. Just, just, I'm really like, disappointed because it could have been a really, really good victory. Um, and it wasn't simply.
2: So having not seen a game, I could almost do the parky role that Ed normally does on this year. And yeah. one of my main questions I would ask, having not seen it, is what went wrong in second half? Did we stop playing rugby
1: or was it more than just that? No, it was uh, Harris got injured. That was yeah, that, that was
0: huge, huge. Uh, made a, I mean, not that not Ben, that,
1: ben Morgan as well because Ben Morgan was playing well. He was yeah, so we really lost.
0: Well. We lost Ben Morgan early into the second half, uh, or it might even mean at half time. Chris Harris uh, w- was off into the second half. The, the so key key position. Not that when you know I don't think Tom Seabrook had a bad game when he came on. Kivetslazi had a good game. Um, Actually,
1: Kivetslazi had. Um, compared to a lot of his games, I think he had a very good game because mm. he was playing against some real quality um, you know in quality centers and mm. he didn't he didn't get run over he didn't miss lots of tackles you know so I think he can help hold his head up quite high
0: yeah and, and, and for me the, the turning point in the game there was it was I don't know I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the, the different the time split between the two things but Ollie Thorley had that run up the the side from I think we we, Quinn's had the ball nearly went the length and um, fair play to Joe Marchant because he tracked him and he and he made a, a hell of a tackle uh, but even then, you know, the ball gets played back and Geordie Reid doesn't quite... It doesn't go quite to Geordie Reid's hand. He knocks it on. You know, if we'd managed to keep that in hand, we still had about five players out on the right-hand side against three. It was just one of those... It was, a, it was That was a difficult chance, but, you know, in hindsight... You felt like
2: we butchered it, yeah.
0: Not not necessarily butchered, but in hindsight, could have Oli Thorley had looked up and thought, I'm going to kick this inside. Reece, I mean, it was about 15 yards on the right. It, you know, there are all these sort of things, you know. Very easy to say at, when you're looking back and in, in hindsight, but I think for me the, the the turning point in terms of the momentum of the game and Jim, uh, you know, uh, I take Loz is doing the parky role here, but Jim, I, I'll pass it to you as well just through your thoughts. Was we um we kick through? It was a decent idea. Reesamet chasing down a kick, they had a drop a goal line dropout, and then Santi Carreras, who I think has been probably our, one of our players of the season this year, tries a 45-metre drop goal that really wasn't on. Uh, that went way short and way wide. I don't know who got the ball. I think it might have been Esther Hazen, possibly, might have been Marchant. Anyway, whoever it was, absolutely hooned it um, down the pitch. And unfortunately, um, Adam Hastings carried it into touch, leaning into a 50-22. And it was that for me, well, it
1: wasn't a 50 22, was it? It was a 22 22.
0: 22 22. But it was it, that for me was the, sh- the shift and turning point because for the next 15 20 minutes, I don't think we got out of our half. No, well, we the, one thing the cuff, I
2: yeah. do, yeah, one thing I would say, I haven't just speaking generally, moving mm-hmm. away from the parking role, we are very much a momentum side. When the momentum's with us, we can yeah. take on anyone, but we struggle. We have two games around when momentum's been against us, we usually. The other team, not all the time, but you, most of the time, you, the team's done something which has caused us to be able to regain that momentum. Yeah. You know, whether it's a knock-on when they were attacking or they they fluff something. But usually, if the momentum's with us, we're world beaters. If it's against us, we look like we could be backed down by Bath and Worcester. I find it i mm. Yeah. The gym, sorry. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I mean that that drop goal. It's something we've seen a few players do in the last, in, in the last few months. Um, goal line drop, you're not going to have, uh, you know, defenders putting too much pressure on you. So you can, you know, queue it up, take a couple of steps and have a go. And I think if it had been anywhere close, we'd have gone, yeah, bloody hell, Santi, that's not a bad effort. But because he missed by... A lot, mm. which to be fair is what happens when you give it that much shoe because he was a long way away, um, and he obviously just didn't connect perfectly. It did because that, you know, it, it wasn't the fact that he missed a drop goal; it was the fact that we put him under a lot of pressure. What we could have done is we could have run it and been tackled on the twenty-two and kept the ball, and we ended up back in our 22 with them having the ball. Yeah. So like you say, it was a, a huge territory game. And like you say, Los, you know, if, if you want some momentum, that for Quinns was a massive shot in the arm and very, very easy on the back of something like that to motivate your players, just to be that extra little bit, to drive a little bit harder. And for our players, you know, it's another, Oh, come on. You got And it's, it's that negative motivation rather than positive motivation that I think we've been pretty good at. And I think some of the energy levels from some of our players, Ludlow again was absolutely everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, so I, you, you can't, you can't fault the players efforts. They, they were trying, they were very, very trying. Um, and I think maybe, maybe in another six months, they'll be making slightly better decisions in the heat of battle.
0: I think that's the right point there, Jim, about making decisions. It, th- th- we started to try because I think, as as Loz mentioned about that momentum shift, uh, about sometimes we do look a bit, we uh, we seem to suddenly panic, and it happened a few times during the game. You know, we were throwing passes that we probably wouldn't have done six weeks ago. Um, we, uh, you know, it, it's wonderful. Some of the rugby we played in that first half was out of this world. I mean, the try for Harris i would say i mean everyone uh, quite rightly will talk about Jamal ford Robinson's try for try of the season but personally i thought the chris harris try was try of the season the 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 interplay and the linking of between and it, you know it's a, all right it's off the training ground move but how many times do those actually come off incredible try um you know Freddie Clark's try again, superb. It, it you know, everything came together. It, it seemed to be that we were playing a really, really attractive brand of rugby. We're still doing the sensible stuff when we had to, the box kicks, etc. Um, but second half more of a
2: complete game, the time.
0: yeah. And then second half, it just seemed to fall apart because we were trying to do stuff that we were forcing stuff, uh, and then. Th- by forcing it, we were putting ourselves into pressure, which then made us do silly things and giving a lot of penalties. I mean, the number of penalties in the second half was criminal, um, and we got on the wrong side of the ref. Uh, again, I mean, I don't want to criticise individual players too much, but that's not the first time that Luis Re Samit has gone for a ball that was never really on. Um, he got sin bin for another knock-on, you know, deliberate knock-on. That's like the second or third time I think he's done that. Um, You know, there was a moment in the first half where I think we ended up scoring eventually, maybe a few phases later or or a couple of minutes later. But he had Ollie Thorley on the right hand side and he stepped inside and took it himself when actually just the pass was on. It you know, it I understand why the players are doing making these decisions, they're trying to force it, they're trying to change the situation in front of them, but actually what they should be doing is relying on the systems. And the processes that the coaches have set out, it did seem to me that they were going away from what the coaches were telling them to do, because it was so different in the second half. And and it was basically where Quinns had, had basically
2: upped their game. Um, we Maybe saw a bit more of that all-black style nuance where it doesn't matter who scores
1: as long as someone scores. Yeah. I, oh, I, absolutely. I, of course, yeah. it's a bloody team game, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And
0: mm. I, I I just get the feeling sometimes we're still in that. We're not quite... We're obviously not quite there as a finished article. We're, we are some way off. We've seen that in the last two games, Saracen's in it against Quinns, where you've got two teams who are operating at a different level or can get to, to a different level. And I think probably, if we're honest about it... Um, we're maybe 12 to 18 months away. Certainly, you know, away from being able to reach that level.
2: I'll tell you what, that Saracens game, we looked a very long way. And yeah. then to go to Quinn's and take it to them like that was fabulous. I appreciate we lost the game. Look, yeah, yeah. we got a lot to do on. But to then come back after that Saracens stuff, we can take it to Harlequins mm. on, their, on their big day like we did. And let's be fair, I, I, I listened, no, I didn't see the game, I was on the airport then, but I listened to quite a bit on the radio. Yeah, it, it, i asked ed um about whether we stopped playing rugby because it felt like that coming across on the radio as though we perhaps were all oh, we're in front like boys don't try and lose this game mm. and I've, I've been critical of us this season a few times whether it's it on the podcast or in our chat about how we tr- i felt as though we have tried not to lose a game rather than go on to win it um yeah. but you didn't feel that was the case did you Ed?
0: no i, I just I, I i have to be honest i thought we would we were still trying to do what we were doing in the first half, but we were just forcing it and we were going away from what had been so successful. We weren't, you know, we were over-committing at rucks when we had the ball, so we had less players available. When we were in defence, we seemed to be a bit standoffish, where in the first half, we were a bit more aggressive in our defensive line. Now, I think that's probably, if anything, if we can take anything away, that's where Chris Harris and his organisational skills comes in. Um, when, as soon as Chris Harris came off, we did, you did noticeably see that, that sort of um impact from from the defensive line was just drop it we're talking percentage points you know this is the difference this is the levels we have the hit but it's it's just knowing
1: who it's knowing confidently if you're doing a bit of a rush or you're doing a drift or all these things who's man's who yeah if you've got someone like harris that is making everyone totally know what's going on then everyone's got total confidence And that just means that you can make your tackle without thinking, I might have to step off and help that tackle or whatever.
2: Yeah, I get that. But the one thing I would say is, Harris is exceptional. So it's difficult to compare the rest of the team to him. Yeah. But he is away for a long time with Scotland. So we know as a club, we're not going to be without him. You can't use that as an excuse in a game like that, because there's six... Nations weeks, he's not there. I appreciate it. it's not all the weeks because, like with England players, he's not released a lot. And there's the autumn internationals, mm. and we've got a World Cup next. Yeah, two, 2023. Bit, yeah. Where, uh, yeah, in 2023, where we're not going to have him until probably the what was the old middle batch of games on the Heineken Cup when they are when they are in the old format. So we're mm. not going to have him probably until then.
0: It's we Scotland to be. Cannot,
2: yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, bit, okay, yeah, a bit earlier than what, bit Earlier um, than bit earlier than if it was an Irish or a player. Yeah, 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 yeah. The point I'm trying to make is we cannot rely totally... The, 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 you, you, sorry, I'm being a bit negative with this, I know, but you're turning around and saying that we didn't have this defensive organisation once he wasn't there, when he went off. I can understand it because he's world-class, but he's also not there for a number of games. We have to cope when he's not there, Yep. You'd like to think that the coach in his place, that, you know, Steve, so you're coming in, you're going to play. If anything happens to Harris, you're on the 13. You know the drills, you know what it is. He needs to step up to that. Level. I'm not being negative against Tom Seabrook, even if it comes across as that. I apologize if it does. I don't mean it that way. What I'm trying to say is our coaches have got a lot to work on. If there was that notice- that much of a noticeable drop off, I know it's replacing a world class player with a normal. I
0: say it wasn't. No, as Jim it wasn't a noticeable drop off. I think we're, we're just talking. It is very small margins, um, and and I take your point there, Loz, Particularly around you know getting. Uh, when we look at the key players, we're going to lose yeah, at, at autumn international time or Six Nations times. They're the players, to be fair, who have been our best players this year, this season. Um, what we've got to do, as you quite rightly say, is we've got to make sure that the replacements when they step up are able to do so and hit a level. They might not be able to hit a level like Chris Harris are is, but you're going to hit a level that's going to be Probably comparable to, that, to yeah, comparable yeah. to uh, an. Op- now, one thing I would say is um, just again more generally about the day. Um, that um, I I felt that it was an interesting experience. If you were were neutral there, um, I would have thought that you would have struggled to understand who the home team was for about 65 minutes of the game. Um, Because I'm not being funny, Quinn's fans were very quiet, understandably. I mean, they were losing quite heavily at at halftime, but they were very quiet. And it was only really in the last 10 minutes when they took the lead that you kind of got a bit of noise going and then the thing is they always need that
2: do 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 prompting to get singing anyway don't they yeah and there wasn't a huge amount of
0: that either to be honest it was only again in the second half that started and then i'll be honest the other final thing was the fact that it you could tell it was a very different crowd to say if you went down to twickenham um you know lots of kids lots of families which is fantastic Uh, However, I refuse to accept that a Mexican wave at any sporting event during the match is acceptable. I'm sorry. (laughs) No. This is not you know, it wasn't as if there was nothing going on on the pitch. It was still four points in it with five minutes to go. Sit your ass down and watch the rugby rather than going every five seconds.
1: Mexican Mexican waves are for when there's I'm not going to say a player injured because that's a little bit distasteful, but it's when there's literally nothing happening on the pitch, yeah, and the crowd find other ways of entertaining themselves,
0: yeah. Or it's, it's a England, game, yeah. Or it's England Italy and it's seventy-five points to nil, right? Um, anyway, the um, so yeah, I, I just found that a bit, yeah. I know it's a different crowd. I just and I'm a, I sound a bit like an old man going Mexican ways, but you know. <laughs>
1: Be fair, Ed. Um, on the WhatsApp, you were quite excitable about the whole tricking and experience. You I really, enjoyed really enjoyed it. Really, it was to be very American.
0: That's all I will say. It was. It was <laughs> well, very. Billy Bob Price, uh, Yeah, it was very. It was gen. It was a genuinely great day out. Um, and you could tell it had been a good day out because I think pretty much everyone on the way on the, on the home on the Care uh, Same coach was asleep because <laughs> uh, yeah, I think combination of alcohol, sun, and uh, a long day, um, shall we say. Um, right, moving on. Just going to talk about uh, the, uh, the European uh, competitions that uh, were finals last week. Um, two new names on the trophies. Leon won the Challenge Cup, which is, I think, to be fair, was always going to be the cut on the cars. I know that we discussed a few weeks ago whether Toulon could maybe do them because they've got a, you know, they're a sizeable pack themselves. But it's I thought it was good actually to see a new name on the trophy there, Challenge Cup, uh, and yeah. uh, and actually fair play to Leon. You know, I, I said I've got a soft spot for them. I felt that they were a bit like Gloucester when I went over there um, in uh, in November, early December I should say, last year for the for our game against them. Um, it does think, make me think, though, that as we, as somebody else put on Twitter, that you know we had a k- team of kids, um, and then Jamal Ford, Robinson, and Fraser Balmain uh, and I think to myself, Christ, if we put a full strength side on that, we probably would have beaten them, and our uh, route to the final would have been a little bit easier. Um, and I, it would have been interesting to see how it have got on.
2: But you know, if and I, buts I, and maybe, I, yeah, I, I disagree. I think I'm sorry if we if we're playing all our routes to find the kingdom.
1: We, we, we played. We played that. against Saracens and got thumped. Yeah, true. Yeah. But we
2: wouldn't have played uh, against Saracens uh, though. So yeah, no, but
1: true. But we'd have played you know. him in the final instead and got thumped.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but no. So that was. I've spent money
2: getting there.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: true. Um, although, from what I could see, the people who, do, who I do know are Gloucester fans who went over there they had a fantastic time. Gorgeous weather. Stade Vélodrome looked amazing. Um, and I've got uh,
1: friends still in Marseille. Oh, really? <laughs> like yeah. Are they they have, they have had a very, very good time.
2: Yeah, I bet they
0: have. Um, was that,
2: anyway? If you'd, if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd rather have said I'd been in St. Denis, but as yeah. it turned out, maybe not.
0: Probably not, no loss. Uh, pepper spray in the morning. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, anyway. can um, see
2: some seasoning with you, Kevin.
0: Yeah. Um, yes. So and then, obviously, on the Champions Cup side of things. We want to talk about the game, mainly because none of us really actually saw it, I don't think. Uh
2: all the last five minutes. Uh, um, I
1: ran across across Amsterdam Mm. um, because the rest of our group were incredibly slow basically. Mm -hmm. um, Because we had a reservation in a sports bar with a two-hour all-you-can-drink period um, to watch... To do with the rugby, then. (laughs) to, to, To watch... The Rugby, the football, um, and the um, the ice hockey, Canada v. Uh, the Czech Republic, as well. Of course, excellent. That was on, and and I wanted to watch the Wigan game, but I had to watch that on my phone. Mm. Um, but yeah, fantastic game. I mean, I told the guys before we went off, Leinster, Leinster are going to win this by 20 points. Yeah, I, judging by the set that was, but going by the, how the semi finals went, Leinster were. Incredibly good, yeah. And La Rochelle were not.
0: No, La Rochelle was slightly better than a really poor Rassing team. Um, but uh, yeah,
2: Rassing like bottling stuff. Though, oh, they're proper, they're the modern day trimoms, aren't they? Yeah,
0: they are, pro- they are proper bottlers. Um but they've got a, Scottish, got a Scottish fly off, so what do we expect?
2: Um, yeah, it's a bit rich coming from the Gloucester supporters as well, so quite and stuff, but yeah. Uh, you
0: know. Anyway, um, they, uh, yeah, but to be fair though, Larochelle, super. I mean, I've watched it back now and, and superb performance. I thought the way they hang, they hung in there when Leinster were just racking up those penalties, and you think, all right, any minute now, they're just going to explode. And Larochelle, I mean, their pack was just incredible. Uh, what was bizarre, though, Jim, and I, I again, my, I, I kind of got told this before I watched it, so I was looking out for it when I, when I watched it back, was the decision by Larochelle to go after scrum, after scrum, after scrum in those last sort of knockings when they pulverised Leinster in the line out. In the mall, I did. I didn't really understand the thing. Obviously, they ended up winning. But... I
2: saw, yeah, I saw those bits. There was, there were quite a few. of The penalties were quite central, and of course, the kick goal wasn't really ideal. So, if you're five to ten meters out and you're underneath the sticks, it's not the easiest kick to touch. There's, there's that. That I know you could, they could just kick straight ahead, but. No. You know, slices and whatnot happened and that happened under that pressure, don't they? So yeah. I think a few of the scrums were dictated by the fact that it was quite, you know, within five or ten meters either side of the uh, of the posts. So I think that's one of the reasons why they took the the scrum. Plus, their pack was actually in the scrum was quite strong as well. They were just absolutely marmalizing them at the end. There was so much. They looked to be so much belief. I didn't see the game, but I saw that the last five minutes, mm-hmm. and um, wow.
1: I just thought that the way that um, Larochele didn't score at the end of the first half, um, yeah, and I think it was was it 7-12 at halftime, yeah, um, and I just thought, oh, that that was that that was their opportunity. That that was their opportunity to go into halftime in the lead, and then have a bit of confidence coming out of the second half and and you know, build build again. Um, and I honestly thought that that big that big bonus for, for Leinster to be able to keep the defence up at the end of the half. They were going to go into the dressing rooms, they were going to have their great team talk at half-time, they were going to feel that they'd done a really good job in the final sort of five minutes or so of the half. And they were going to come out and just, like, like a good team at like Leinster can do, just blow La Rochelle away in that first five minutes of the second half. And... They didn't do that. <laughs> they, well, um, I mean, they were. Well, they were. They was Did they get up to eight points
0: or ten points in front, Venster At one point, it was. They. they I'm they, sure
1: they, chipped, they got. They kept chipping away. Yeah, yeah.
0: and then and then the, the big one was Larishel. Obviously, scored that try. Um, they scored a second try, which which got them back into the game, and then set up that grandstand finale. Mm. Um, and and you know, again, I thought. The, the scenes afterwards were, were brilliant. Not that I don't doubt that Leinster fans and the and Leinster players, etc., and, and people of Dublin and the wider area of that part of Ireland would have been delighted with Leinster winning a was it fifth another, or whatever, yeah. another fourth or fifth. Yeah,
2: fifth, uh, fifth. fifth. Yeah, got a level of
0: two it. So, you know, the fifth, their fifth Champions Cup or Heineken Cup, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I'm, I have no doubt that that would have been uh, incredible for them. But when you see... A, a place that's only got seventy-five thousand people in the entire city, and twenty thousand of them were at the ground. Um, I mean,
2: it's the it, <laughs> victory, it's the victory parade. Even the most die-hard Leinster fan might have to go. Do you know what? Yeah, at the end of full time, I gutted, and I didn't mm. want to. I didn't think it. You know, it should have been us, and we should have won, and, and we'd have been the fifth time, and we would have fully deserved it. And then you would have seen what it meant on that parade in the port area. You know, O'Gara well, made the comment about what it's going to be like madness staying in the port. And then you see all that victory parade. Down what, there you, you, what you say? I yeah. think you'd have determined. You'd have said, "Yeah, okay. we'll let them have that one. We'll come back next
1: year." Yeah. So they got seventy-five thousand population. Yeah. Well, in that port, they must have had hundred and fifty thousand.
0: Well, They're again, not like everyone. I mean, obviously, not everyone who was in the grand probably lives in La Rochelle, and equally, not everyone who lives in La Rochelle. Uh, sorry, not everyone who's there was lives in Maroilles.
1: Yeah. But I mean, but, that you know. was that was kind of a Nebworth Park, you know, a pyramid stage type crowd. Mm. Um, there to just see a bus parked up with a trophy in it, and and I was like, yeah, I like that.
0: It was good, wasn't it? I mean,
1: King Square just they didn't build it big enough.
0: No, no. When it when it does happen, um, King Square, it'll be jumping. I mean everyone it's will across get
2: across the cross it like it did in 2003 in the pedestrianisation. Yeah,
0: it will get a bit run awkward the, in run King Square. Few open. It will get awkward in King Square when everyone gets wet from those fountains. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, mind you Voice what but
2: not a fun sexy way.
0: Yes, exactly. Um but one thing I should we should say though, and I've seen a few there's a few people on on I've seen on Twitter, uh, uh, you know, journalists and and commentators, etc., going on about, you know, the underdog story and the small guy, David Vigarth, and all this. Stuff. I'll be honest, um, it's difficult to treat it as an underdog story when your budget's 27 million euros, uh, which is what La Rochelle allegedly or apparently have got. I think only Montpellier outspent them in the last couple of years um, in terms of their salary, in terms of their uh, salary, um bill expenditure
2: don't say cap it's it's you're...
0: no there isn't a cap as we discussed before we recorded last now you know at the end of the day to a point a bit like the champions league in football uh the top honors in european football are dominated by now increasingly the big the guys with the big biggest wallets um or who, who the, the the teams who are able to manage their squad in such a way that they can target these big games with their big players. Um, and um, the final bit of the pods and I was really just to talk about the challenge that English rugby in particular has got in matching up with this, not even just in the champions cup, but also in the challenge cup, because increasingly French teams who never really used to take it seriously are increasingly doing so. And then when you add in next year, we've got South African sides joining. Um, It's going to be even harder for English squads stretched pretty thin. And I mean, I suppose this is one of the benefits of having no relegation and promotion is you might be able to target it a little bit more. Um, If that is the ultimate goal of winning in rugby, of what, you know, this is the ultimate target and prize in rugby is the Champions Cup or whatever. Um, it's what do we do as an, as an English rugby nation, where our salary cap is what going to be five point five million from next oh,
2: season? You know, play, isn't
0: it? No, I think it's five point five million. dollars, oh, I think well, next yeah. season. But so you know, to give you an idea, you're competing against teams where you know Toulouse, Racing, Montpellier, Clermont, um, these sides, and then La Rochelle have, have got salary salaries of you know total salaries of over twenty million or near twenty million. You then got the Irish regions, who are maybe with the exception of they there in you know there's four Irish regions filtering all of the best, best talent in Ireland into their regions. Leinster particularly, I mean if you look at Leinster's squad, it's pretty much the Ireland squad save a few players. Um, how do you as a as an English rugby nation and, and the teams compete with that? You know, what's the, what's the solution in terms of how do you compete with that? Uh, Lars, I'll let you go first. Then, Jim, you crack in and you can have your thoughts.
2: Well, I've always turned round and I've not defended Saracen's breach of the salary cap, but I've always turned round and said I can see why they've done it because, it, because it gave them a bit more of a level, a level playing field for competing yes. in Europe. Um, so I can understand that, and lo and behold, they won the European Cup a number of times. Um, you can't just do it by throwing money at it, um, but I just I struggle to see how at 5.5 million we can get anywhere near them. I really don't because the English Premiership, but. Well, you could knock it down to probably eleven teams. So and they never do that because, and there's only twenty Premiership games. That might give you a chance. You can have more off weekends. Um, they're playing too much rugby as it is. They keep on coming up with ideas where they can get more games in. The only way the English teams can compete is to actually have their full strength squads playing rounds five and six, quarterfinal, semi final, final, and the hope being that by the time it gets to the range, five, uh, sorry, I talk about five and six like it was the old formula, yeah. sorry. no but, said. You know, using the old formula, hope mm. that you're still in with the chance at that stage, that you can then go bang, bang, and hope that the, you know, you, remember when Saras got relegated, I know I keep going about Saras, I'm not a closet Saras fan, but it, it's the easiest way to go about it. Once they realised they were going down and there, there was nothing about it, Mr Farrell and Mr Atoji hardly played but they had a strong enough squad because they'd spent enough money that they could use all these other players. The only way we can get close now is to have just a goal. The perver- I don't mean we as in Gloucester, we as in the English teams. It's the proverbial golden generation at each club mixed with some absolute world-class um, overseas talent, which we don't get very often anymore. I'm not saying the talent isn't there. What I'm saying is we don't tend to go for that too much these days. We, you know. Well,
0: no. I mean, the, the issue there a lot be... of
2: it sticks back with the All Blacks. Because you look at the All Blacks all the time. There is a South Africans won't come here because they're all they they always have been and always will be a bunch of mercenaries. So they're straight off to Japan where there's even more money. Mm-hmm. And Australian Australians are just shit anyway. Um, so, <laughs> well, a couple of them, all right, but most of them are crap. Um, so you look at the New Zealanders and realistically they're only going to give up on their All Blacks journey for a wedge. Uh, sorry, their All Blacks jersey for a wedge. Mm-hmm. So you really are wanting to sign someone who's an established international because that's the sort of money you're going to have to pay anyway. It's very difficult these days. So you, you I think you need a golden generation which you can supplement with two or three world-class players from yeah. abroad and hope that you can generate you know, your own players to become world class. But the trouble is then they're going to want more money. They're going to hit the 5.5 million and then you're going to have to make a decision to get rid of them. I do think there should be some sort of exception that if you bring players through your academy, only X amount of percentage goes towards yeah, the that's, salary that's, cap. That's what but I was more to say, Lars. I appreciate Loss. that, but then what's the point in having the salary cap? Because, you know, Gloucester have gone by in a route and right, we're going to generate all these players going through it. is mm-hmm. did. They did, with all, most, not most of those, but quite a few of those players. Atoji came through their um, academy. I think Jamie George came through their academy. Owen Farrell came through their academy. You know, players like that, I appreciate the Vinopolis team, but, you know, they, but quite a few of those players, I always felt it was a little bit harsh for being punished for these players to come through and become Lions. But then there's the argument, well, yeah, the reason they become Lions is because they were up against such world class players in training because they'd spent overspent on the salary cap.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, know, and, and of course, the, the issue being is, Laws, that everyone else who had uh, young players who developed into Lions that lay Leicester, Wasps, whoever,
2: went and they the had to leave. They yes, had to leave. I know. Yeah. So uh, that's we, the but problem. I do think there should be almost some sort of way of get. As I said, it's very no. no, no I the think whole you point, know, the point credits to and make the, rest the clubs. Of it. Mm. The, this is a salary it? cap. that's five point five million to make the clubs more profitable. I get that. Yeah, but so you just what, they, say... what they do
1: though, Lars, what they do is if you provide players to the England um, squad, you know, you get extra extra allowances, credits. don't you, and things yeah, like I that. Get yeah, that, but... but there is. I like the talk about having a career average adding to the salary cap, so that someone that you've been paying a, a pittance as a 17-year-old, like the likes of a toji, if you're now paying him 400000 a year, then actually you, his average wage... Yeah. You know...
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It
1: kind of... It kinda, it, 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 works it balances out it a out. lot less. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, it, what it does mean is when they're on the turn, potentially... Their average has peaked. Mm. Like, oh, rather than keeping their average when actually they're not even worth that anymore. No. So, you, so you get rid of players that really you should be giving testimonials to. So, I think there's there's the converse side of it where yeah, it's not very nice. But there's, so- there's definitely a, a better way of doing it. Um, we don't want to see clubs going bust. No, well, unless they're bath, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I don't. I don't want to see Bath go
2: bust. I want to see him get relegated and suffer first, then go bust.
0: Okay, right, fair enough. Um, yeah, and so, Worcester and Worcester is that well? Yeah, okay. Uh, so Jim, on the point of the sort of if we're comparing the Irish and the French teams, it, that's the interesting thing because because it, it is people criticise the Irish teams uh, for resting players, but look, that's the that's been built into their system. They've, they've
1: got a league that is really easy to rest players quite a few weeks of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was an argument. I did see interesting that there was somebody, who's, they always bring out the stats about, oh, so-and-so plays X number of games. And actually, if you compare that to, say, a French team or a top English team, that it's not very different. But the difference is, is the standard of competition. So, what you know, playing against Newport or the Ospreys or Cardiff or the Italian teams is all an athlete. I mean the are, are kind of okay, you know. But I right, just thought you go
2: yeah. were down the Welsh? But
0: not all the Welsh teams are, are horrendous, but three of them are. And mm. then if you look at, <laughs> And then if you look at the Scottish teams, they I mean Edinburgh are okay, Glasgow are slightly better, but you know, they dip and form and they, they, they've only got a certain number of players they can really call on, and then most of them are South African these days the Italian teams are a waste of space in the nicest possible way. And they still, I mean, they're getting better, but they're still a waste of space. You know, I, I mean, it, it, let's, let's be realistic about it. The Irish players, they might play similar number of games, but they're nowhere near the same standard intensity as say, you know, the Gloucester players, they've got to play every single week. If you don't have, if you're not on it, you will get beaten. If you're not on it against Benetton, you're probably still going to win with a bonus point. If you're not on it against, yeah, as I said, if you're not on it against, (laughs) if you're not on it against Newport, you'll still win comfortably, and I think that's the problem. Is that, as Jim said, you've got a league that's really easy to to rest players in, Um, and I don't think we can criticize the Irish teams because equally the Welsh teams could do the same. It's just they've they're. what do they call it in America? They're a, a, you know, a garbage can on fire, or whatever it's called, uh, in a burning a of lava. I mean, they're just, they just—they have absolutely no ability to organise a piss up in a brewery, but they can build a hotel in Wales, apparently. Um, but the, no, I mean, this is be fair. This, the Welsh. How bad Welsh rugby is is hysterical, because if you look at it, it's the same model as the Irish rugby. It's just they can't organise it properly.
1: Um, well, I just. But- What are the gates like in Wales compared to the gates in Ireland? Well, bugger all, but then,
0: but bugger all, but then equally, the yeah, but equally though, the Irish gates compared, you know, when you're looking at Irish gates when they're playing um, non Irish teams, so when they're not playing against each other and then they're not playing in the Champions Cup, they're not great, you know, you aren't, you, you know, Leinster aren't. Packing out the Aviva every week, are they? They're playing at the, race, oh, they're, they're the RDS,
2: aren't they? the
0: RDS, and they're getting you know like, well, six, a 17
2: days in capacity, but yeah, I don't but they they get getting, they're not getting, but they don't pounds. have to, do they? Because they're bankrolled no. by the IRC, so and again, that's that's another thing you've got to remember. And the yeah. other thing I saw the other week, the other day as well, they reckon that the second best team in the whatever they're, they're playing under these these days is it IRU, URC, you know, United
0: URC, Rugby, URC. Rugby Championship, championship,
2: yeah. yeah, they reckon the second best team in there is a, is Leinster. Second Mm.
0: well i mean the so, thing is well you know they, they've got the south african teams and the south african teams had an absolute storm in uh, february and march hammering out teams left front right, center i think glasgow maybe a one out, out there i think uh, the Bulls or something um but i, I mean i I, my, I think jim's right i think that there, there's obviously has to be a different way of doing it i think certainly reward and loz you're right rewarding teams where they are producing young English players over and above, bringing in mercenaries from abroad. That has to be a reward in, in the system. I think 5.5 million, I understand exactly why they reduce the salary gap because you know the losses that these clubs were putting in from co- after COVID and before COVID even were, were just unsustainable. Um, if it comes to it in the next four or five years, if English clubs don't win the Champions Cup, at the end of it, are financially stable, secure, and can um, then develop some of the more young players, and then that helps the English national team um, going forward. They will become more competitive in the Champions Cup again. It wasn't actually, that.
2: Yeah, from from an in England point of view, actually, that's got to be more ideal mm. because ultimately, winning the I, us as fans want to win everything. Yeah, but ultimately, that's going to be owner ego. Is winning the Champions Cup. Yeah, it will be. Let's be honest. You know, it? we, yeah. it's going to be going out there. But when you're trying to compete with these French super teams with their budget wise and the super provinces of Ireland, mm. the only way you're going to do it is to spend the money. It just simply isn't going to happen otherwise. And I just can't help but think that the only way it can, the England teams are going to be if, if they keep this 5.5 million. I know I said a, a way they can do it, but let's be fair, it's not going to happen from that. It, if they stay at 5.5 million, is with the amount of games they've got to play in the Premiership, is basically its owner ego, and they're just going to risk going under the salary cap and they don't get caught. But. Mm.
0: So, uh, Jim, you mentioned it already. Um, you were in Amsterdam, and um, you bumped into somebody we all
1: know. Uh, yeah, so um, we, were dress- we were dressed as monks outside a bar, as you do. Uh, <laughs> the stag being dressed as a nun, obviously. Yeah, um, um we had a group of guys come up to us and say, ah, we've got to um, do a boat race with another stag do. I'm like, we're not a stag do, but they saw through that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So we were organising this boat race. And they're like, oh, where are you guys from, Gloucester? Oh, what do you think of Billy 12 Trees? And I'm looking at this guy. I'm thinking, I recognise that face. You're Billy 12 Trees' brother, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I am. I said, yeah, Bill's here too. I'm like, bloody hell, small world. So, um, yeah, we ended up having a boat race. Not with Billy, because Billy was off getting changed. Um, But... um, and um, not with Joey, his brother, his other brother, who was um, dressed in full Gloucester kit, riding a bike at a 1,000 mile an hour around, uh, around Amsterdam. But yeah, at a boat race, our our stag lost it for us. He was rubbish. But mm-hmm. then he got a lovely photo with, with Billy. Yes. Um, absolutely uh, honest to God. Thank you very much, Billy, because you really did make his weekend. <laughs> um, he is a big fan. Um and uh, it was it was good to see that he was actually behaving himself he is a professional sportsman and even though a lot of his group are clearly liking the beer he's um he's he's well behaved so yeah it's it's nice he's, he's he's just a normal person isn't he at the end of the day so uh, i kind of i kind of like that yeah
0: i just i just like the thought that um you know yeah, yeah.
1: As, as, as a nun is running up the road to him, William, William, please you <laughs> don't watch your photo.
0: <laughs> he must have thought, oh, for the love of God, I've got all, you know, the chances of me bumping into a load of lads from Gloucester and getting a load of stuff from, you know, the chances are slim. And yet he finds the one bloke who's on a fucking yeah. podcast.
2: Yeah, but no, do you know what? I don't. I don't get that feeling with Billy. I think he would have probably probably have actually revelled in that if I like, if oh, you asked me. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I would have thought he's the sort of person that goes, "Oh man, what the chance? Oh, this is just fucking brilliant." Yeah, I'll go get yeah. a load of shots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it was just the idea. It's just the fact that he managed to bump into somebody who's on an actual Gloucester Rugby fan podcast in Amsterdam, which I think is just. Entertaining, if nothing else.
1: Um, yeah, did you
2: tell him you were on the podcast? No,
1: we're not going to be. Uh, there you go. See, well, no, would it?
2: No. That, by the way, you've blown that
0: interview. Thanks, mate. You know, we could have had that for <laughs> part of his testimonial <laughs> exclusive. year. Exclusive, well exclusive, yeah, exclusive interview with Billy Twelve Degrees in a cafe in Amsterdam. Anyway, the... <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, yeah. You're not not off the menu? I'm gonna have one of the green ones. Woo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But he's a professional sportsman, so that wouldn't be allowed. Anyway, um, (laughs) right. So moving on finally, uh, so we announced this today that um, uh, Gloucester released three players. Um, Now, I'm hoping that that's it, personally, because there's been a few rumours about other players leaving and we're, we're very much not happy if that happens. But the three players, I mean, we're not happy that any player leaves, really. So our three players who are leaving are uh, Jason Woodward, Will Britton and Jack Stanley, um, all of which, let's be honest, have, have struggled this season with injury or illness or unable, and have been unable to play. Um, Jason Woodward has had some superb and brilliant moments with the club. I mean, I think the first thing that jumped out in my mind with, uh, with Jason Woodward was the try he scored against Extra on his debut um and uh i mean there's the old uh, i think it was ben Kay's commentary about flying bodies flying out of the shed um mm. you know at, at the beginning of the Ackerman era when mm. we thought when we thought all would be good and we definitely would be winning things anyway um as as always um will Britton and jack stanley i mean jack stanley is is a really unfortunate one because i think he's uh, we don't know the specifics of this, but we believe he's he's been he's been struggling with injury all season. He was very close to the England squad, I believe, um, because he made some really uh, excellent performances um, last year and the year before. And it's just and for, for whatever reason has has been unable to to play. This saying,
2: he's always looked quite good for us. So it's yeah, a shame, isn't it?
0: I think I think there may be some more underlying issues. Unfortunately, with, with, with Jack. Great. And then Will Britton, you know, he was brought in as as sort of squad cover. um, hasn't really had an opportunity. got injured pretty early on, um, and and you know, um, it's one of those things. I believe he has signed for Cornish Pirates next season. So that's 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 a that's a good yeah, that's a good level for him. I think that's where he came from. He came from that level um so l- let's wish him and all of them actually you know the best success going forward I, I think certainly Jason Woodward we've seen some wonderful and magical things um yeah so Will Britton jo- joined uh, Cornish, Pirates, Cornish said, Pirates yeah yeah, yeah so look, with,
2: with, with Woodward I, I don't want don't mean to say crass or nasty or anything like that but, but he's not played at all this season and he's got to be on a decent wedge. He's not yeah. coming for the love of Gloucester, is he? He's a New Zealander that qualified for England. We got him very close to England. He signed a new contract once he got invited into the Eddie Jones training squad around the time that Cipriani... Wait, well, he missed out on going to South Africa when Cipriani, Cipriani went to that final yeah. test, didn't he? Mm. So he, he wasn't going to be on um, front and he? was he? Let's be fair. No. And he's not played. Now, I appreciate if... His, uh, if he's qualified, qualified. Sorry, it's a bad term. But if he, if he's been out injured all season, which you know, with the fact he's not been near the other team, you'd hope that is the case, not for him to be hurt. But you know where I'm coming from. Mm. That we would have had his salary covered um, by um, insurance cover. Then you know that's okay. But you cannot think someone that's been out that long who's going to take up a decent chunk of salary cap is. It's not a bad thing in being released from a selfish Gloucester solely point of view. You don't. I don't mean that bad as in no. sorry, mate, didn't care about you because I thought he was a good, decent player. I know Stone's not a massive fan of him, but I thought he was a decent enough player.
1: I tell you what, when he was playing well, when he, he was, was on the playing, game, he, yeah, yeah, when he got when he got that England fantastic that, games for us, yeah,
2: mm. he was outstanding, wasn't he?
1: Yeah,
2: I, I always I, felt I, as though he was probably a better winger and Marshall was a better fullback, and they used playing the other way around.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair uh, thing to say. I mean, the, the thing with Jason Woodward, is I think he has been really, really unlucky with injuries. Um, yeah, uh, and that's that's basically curtailed it. He hasn't had a, a bit like Marshall actually hasn't had a real clear run in the side, um, uh, and that's been unfortunate. What um, you know, he's uh, I believe he's he's already gone back to New Zealand is my understanding I may be wrong but that was kind of what was alluded to in in some comments I've seen online Um, If
1: you're not going to get fit before the last couple of games in the season you're not going to be part of the squads what's the point
0: Yeah and also you've got to remember that you know for, for him if he's got family in New Zealand he wouldn't have been able to see them for the last two years and so they've only literally just opened up uh to new zealand oh so god you, yeah exactly you so can't you, blame him yeah. if he's it's already a bit like he was already, already
2: gone you can't blame him at all can nah, you?
0: exactly so you know you, you've got um, and he's got he's got a young you've got a young young kid and, and all the rest of it Ooh. so um now w- one thing i would say is that w- there were names that we've been made aware of um one of which i think probably most people would understand um has been rumored that he might be off and that would be jake pledgery now hopefully on the basis that he wasn't included in the in, in the article as we record on the Tuesday, um, the fact he hasn't been named as a, as someone being released by the club does mean that he's going to be retained. He's, he's either got one more year left on his contract or he's been offered a year.
2: It sounded rather definitive that these are all the what that's going from the mm. club. It, it was yeah. rather this is it. The club are releasing these players and that's it. Now that doesn't mean to say that's all it's going to be, but that's. How I might have misinterpreted, it, but that's how I read that article. It was as though there will the be players three leaving. players leaving the club, and that's it. Why would you which, not? Which is brilliant, HJ isn't it? I mean, yeah, three, well,
1: three is a very low number. Well, yes. Yeah, so
2: three, and it fits leaving. in with what we're trying to achieve with having a low turnover of players as well, well which we, is what they've yeah. said in the past, isn't
0: it? We've got one coming in, and to who is going to obviously cover at number eight, um, uh, uh, yeah, across the back row. Um, we've lost um, a second row, a prop and a fullback. If you look at the options at fullback, we've got um, Carreras and Moyle. Uh, You could even argue that people like May, Reece Sammet, uh, there's bounds to be one of the kids is you know coming out. Say, we've Hil- got to have
2: a kid coming up that must I be.
0: mean, Hillman Cooper is, I'm sure, probably mm. capable. We've got other lads who can play. Um, Alex, New- Morris. Alex Morgan, Jake Morris. You know, these guys can. I'm sure, be more than capable of covering it. full. Lloyd but, Evans
2: did a really good job. Lloyd Evans. I mean, we forget
0: Lloyd Evans exactly. Lloyd Evans played fullback several times this year, so we've got depth there. We've got depth, I think, in the wing. The two areas I think we are lacking and it's going to be, I don't think we're going to bring anybody in now is, uh, I think we, we, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, we met, we do miss a big, proper dominant second row, certainly without Ed Slater. Um, so hopefully with Slater, if Slater's being retained again, there were rumours that Slater might be retiring or Slater might be leaving. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that's not the case. We've got year one more year of Ed Slater left because uh, we do, we do miss him. I think um, he wins we a We need lot- a big
2: line eight general, don't we?
0: something like that yeah and then the other the other area which I, I'm not sure yet on is fly half um, we'll, we'll we're gonna come on to a review of the season probably next week um, but you know we we I put a poll out there um, on Twitter and asked what was you know who were the players that have, you think have made the impact from the new new Joiners, I think Hastings won that vote, but I think there was a definite consensus among the people who made comments that they were a little bit disappointed by Hastings. Now, I think a lot of that has got to do with the style of rugby we were playing. And actually, in the last few weeks, when we tried to play a bit more of an attractive, expansive style, he's come to the fore a bit more.
1: When, um, a ma- when a
2: certain scrum half started instead of another cer- certain scrum half,
1: maybe. Yeah, but th- to say you're disappointed. Is because you had such high expectations in Agreed. the first place, as well. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. You know, he, so... has, he hasn't been disappointing. We just had huge expectations, really, mm. thinking we were signing, you know, uh, an international fly half. And actually, there's been plenty of Scotland matches. He hasn't even made the, the, the squad. So,
2: yeah. One thing i just thought of because going back to, I'm not going to discuss rumors, but. On what you said, that there was the rumor going around about Jake leaving. Mm. I put in the chat about Tuisui signing. Yeah. And was that the cover? But then I just thought of something. Freddie Clark's been moved permanently, it seems, up to second row. Maybe Tuisui's come in to cover that gap in the back row of a top line player with Freddie Clark permanently being in second row and to assume he can also play in second row as well. So mm-hmm. he's maybe that that that's covered that space. Right. And it doesn't mean necessarily that Jake's going.
0: Yeah. I mean I I, I think it's it, the, the the expectation I think is and, and I underst- I think we all understand why there's this sort of fear that we're never going to see Jake Pledger in a Gloucester shirt again. Um, you know the injury that he suffered was pretty horrific. horrific. You, know, you, just, you hear about what actually happened you know it was pretty much two of the three ligaments that held your knee together a broken lower leg and um, uh, tendon damage so if
2: you're gonna cut nerve damage because and then when you go nerve bad, damage nerve damage
0: nerve damage subsequent due to the operations etc so you know he's had to really 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 fight to get back even to a point where he's in training um, and we were we we're all old enough and remember the issues that James, James Forrester yeah. went through. Um, and what we don't want is that situation again happening. So why, you know, there's a lot of a lot of love for Jake pellegrini and a lot of um, mm. respect for his how he's done to get back to this level. Um, and and I think we all what we want to see is that just that opportunity to see him for one more time, one more season, even if it's just one more season of him marauding up the pitch and running over people again. Um, I think probably equally we would all understand if a decision was made that he did leave because. We've all really touched on it. The salary cap is a, a finite amount. You can't you it's you know, it's a very expensive luxury to have somebody who's probably on a again, a fair amount of money. I know, but i, I I've always looked back
2: money. to I I sorry, I like to interrupt, I always look back to the Phil Vickery situation when he left Gloucester for Wasps. Yeah. We were talking about, uh, we didn't have the podcast, then, but I know that a lot of the chat with people was, well, look, do we get much value? He's injured a lot. Then he goes off to um, play for England and then he comes back and he's injured again. He wasn't like that at all. He did have a few injury problems. And guess what happened when he went to Wasps? Mm. They managed to manage him in such a way that he played most of the games for them and he played for England and captained England. And what happened, yeah. we lost it on our actual diamond that we bought through the
0: bloody ranks. Yeah. Well, that, and, that, and that's the, that's the definite counter argument to it. I think I don't, I'm just being sort of devil's advocate. I, I can, I, know are, I, know. I can understand if you're, if you're being very hard nosed about this, and this is where particularly their salary cap reduction is going to hit hard. And we've already started to see it. Players are being released. There's a lot of free agents, a lot of free agents, which probably hasn't happened before. And the biggest issue they've got is there's nowhere to go. Um, unless they go and they're all going to have to go to France or go to Japan or wherever because
1: they can't go to England surely they can go to a far improved uh, championship and just
0: well that's yeah but they can't afford it though.
1: can improve the championship and then then we can have not all the teams but we can have maybe a few teams get a bit of investment in the championship I mean that's
0: for me you you want to bring back
1: promotion and relegation but what you want to do is you want to have a second division that actually, you know, is worth playing in mm. for these 100% professional players. And that's what they've got in France. Yeah, but um, again, we it's, are nowhere it, near, are we?
0: Nowhere near. And I, But you've got to remember, though, again, France is the French teams, even in uh, D, D2, however how you want to pronounce it, D2, they are, they're backed by... Very rich people or businesses or corporations or even cities. you know we're, we're, It's a very different model in France, how they develop their rugby teams. We don't have that in this country. The facilities aren't up to scratch. French teams have got municipal stadiums that can hold 10, 15,000 people in some of these places. Oh, I say,
2: you look at Clermont, they're back by Michelin. Michelin. By
0: Toulouse yeah. are back. Well, yeah, I mean, it's orange. Of, well, Toulouse or, are back by or Airbus. <laughs> Airbus, I mean, Airbus. Airbus. Peugeot. it's Peugeot. Airbus are sponsors. You know. yeah. it, it, it's It's huge. You know, huge, huge, huge companies. Um, uh, you know, Larochelle, the guy who owns La Rochelle is a is a multi multi millionaire. You got um, the guy who owns um, Altrad, Altrad, Altrad for Christ's you know, sake. You Altrad know, billionaire. billionaire. I've seen
2: his name popping up in New Zealand rugby everywhere. Well. Right, yeah. 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 This
0: is the thing we've got we, we've got to remember, it's a different system. And, and I, I take your point, Jim. That would be the ideal situation. These guys would go, okay, well, I'm gonna have to drop down a level to come back up a level. There isn't the money there. You know, there's not any money in the there's not any money in the premiership. There ain't gonna be any money in the championship. Unless I was gonna say champion. one thing
2: on the French system is mm. they they have a salary cap that Basically, everyone ignores and they only get in trouble for if their balance sheet isn't solvent at the end of the year. Yeah. That's basically it. That's how the French system works.
0: Yeah. And the and, salary and...
2: cap, I think, is around 11 or 12 million euro. They all spend 20 plus million on it. And their owner's putting enough money just before the accounts are due by the year end to make sure that the balance sheet is solvent. And boom. Yeah.
0: yeah and, and one of the reasons why the French national team has suffered for so long was because it's been full of mercenaries. From abroad. Ahead of the French.
2: And then they came up with a bit more of an English sort of idea. There'd be incentives if you produce French players. Oh, and by the way, the different thing was they turned around and said, if your squad isn't 75% French, you'll be kicked out of the top 14.
0: So yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be an issue. I think probably the next few seasons we're going to see a lot of players probably not at their retirement age or wouldn't be expecting, shall we say, to be looking to retire or finish rugby, struggling to find a place to play rugby because there's only yeah. so many teams who are, who are able to afford you. So um, if Gloucester, Gloucester seem to have got ahead of the curve, and I think that's a that's a definite uh, plus. Point and should we say to Lance Bradley and the guys who you know who are in charge of the finances at Gloucester? Uh, we we you know we we were very much uh, one of the teams that did that sort of culling of the big earning players early. Or we basically said that if you can if you can't take the seventy you know, the pay cut, you're free to leave. A lot of them did. Fair well, play. Breach of, yeah. That would
2: have been breach of contract. So they would have exercised their right. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, you're free to leave. Breach. You know, we're we, we're offering. We're we're saying we, you can stay on a I don't know reduced contract uh, uh, salary, or you can leave. It's up to you. You know, we're not going to stand in your way. Uh, players did, and and you've got to be on open with it. And the fact that you know they, these guys have got a very short careers. That it's it's, uh, it's a professional game. Um, Gloucester seem to have got ahead of the curve on that. We've got a lot of young talent coming through. Um, it's a case now, I suppose, of managing the squad over the next couple of years to try and get the best out of that young talent. And as you say, Loz, sprinkling in with these uh, more experienced players, um, the challenge is going to be keeping hold of the stars, keeping hold of Chris Harris, keeping hold of um, you know Charlie Chapman, who's going to be a superb player, keeping hold of um, Carreras, because let's be fair, when his contract comes up, I imagine there will be people very much keen to... I actually him. think
2: there'd be more of a challenge before that. I think it'd be the challenge of keeping hold of the right players because you're going to get the stage where players are going to come through as youngsters who are going to look worldish Yuri Sammits example. Mm. That was that was obvious. That was obvious. But when he first came through, I remember seeing that um where he caught the ball against was it Bath or Bristol in the reserves? And he literally yeah. from the restart ran straight through him scored in the corner. And that was amazing. And you might get him offered a contract. That sort of person, you can do that. Offered a contract a bit earlier to mm-hmm. get them tied into your into their system, and you got me out judgment. Oh, is that a one off try, or is he going to actually go and actually become something? I don't know whether it's going to be that early, but at some stage you're going to have this. Is that player going to become what we think he is, or is he not? And if he isn't, we need to invest in someone in our academy already before we lose that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last word, Jim, on uh, the weekend ahead. We've got um, Saracens, as we know. I think a lot of it depends probably on what Saracens put out as their team, doesn't it? We have to be realistic about this. If they play their full-strength side, it's going to be a very challenging
1: It's going to be a very challenging uh, afternoon. I think, realistically, Gloucester want to sign off having played well. Uh, and if they can hold their heads up high, um, win, lose or draw, I, th- I think there's probably more chance of us beating Saracens than there is um, of North. Um, Newcastle yes yeah, yeah, I think I think Newcastle beating um, Northampton. Yeah, beating Northampton is just not going to happen. No, um, Northampton are looking to me like the second best team. In the league, I think um, Saracen's the best. And I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if those two see each other in the final. Um, And I think, um, yeah, Quinns and Leicester will miss out, Mm. even though they might have um, the home ones. The important
0: thing, Loz, and you know from bitter experience uh, over the last couple of weeks, I apologise for bringing this up, but we need to make sure that, you know, we're not really focusing on what's happening at Franklin's Gardens. It needs to be about Saturday and what's happening at King's Home. Uh, and then Thanks, mate. sorry, mate. <laughs> and then yeah. everything, everything else takes care of itself, you know. No, reading. it was actually,
2: I can relate to that very much. So it was always a case of, so those who don't know I'm a buzz sporter. Those don't who listen to the know, podcast. So, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so it was always a case of Ed of, Ed of Aitchis, because he was around my house watching the game with me. Mm. I wasn't getting carried away even when Man City were 2-0 up. Because Liverpool were a drawing at that stage, mm. they were never top of the league. So, to use that analogy into Gloucester, it doesn't matter what Northampton are doing if Gloucester aren't beating Saracens, which yeah. is what Ed's getting at in essence. So, yeah. go out there, win the game, beat Saracens, get the bonus point with the four tries, win the game. As I said, why I keep repeating is win the game. Is you win the game before you worry about the tries. Yeah. That, then, if there's time to get them, which I always believe, if you beat Saracens, you will have scored four. You'd have scored anyway. four
0: tries anyway. Yeah, yeah.
2: especially this time. Yeah, um, get that, get those five points yourself, and then what level will be? Will be. Yeah. Northampton, yeah. sorry, Newcastle. They aren't as you. They aren't going to beat, um Northampton. Northampton is what you said. You are probably 99.9% right on there, but no one had Villa for being 2-0 up against Man City after 71 minutes, either or whatever it was. No. No. You could still see Newcastle running in the... uh, Sorry, Northampton running in the tries later on to win the game, much like City scored the goal. Yeah. Yeah. um, you just don't know. The thing is, is why worry about what Northampton are doing? The only thing Gloucester can, which is the point that Edward making when he brought this on, the only thing Gloucester can control is their result. If they go out there, they get the win, we're going to go home happy. We'll be like, oh, God. But let's be fair. If we don't finish in the top four, it's not because Newcastle have Northampton. It's because we didn't beat the bloody uh, London Irish on their own track. Earlier in the season, when we only drew, when we didn't bother playing for sixty-five minutes, because yeah. all we did was kick the ball back. And well, then we, you, so you can, so can analyze we'll yeah,
1: the season next week, won't we? Or Dan
2: Robson's drop goal for for Wasp at Kingsham from the from the drop out. Or didn't, when, when when the Harlequins played at Kingsham didn't they win by a drop goal as well from the a uh, uh, goal line drop out or something like that? Was it Carroll Smith and drop goal? as well Kerr I think
0: maybe, yeah, not sure. But, but yeah, I mean, Dan, yeah, Dan Robson definitely did
2: to be yeah. to win the game as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that, as Jim said, we'll, us, we'll,
2: we'll, we'll we'll review the
0: season next week. But certainly, as you're right there, Loz, that it, us not getting in the top four has got nothing to do with what Newcastle and Northampton do at the weekend. It's yeah. entirely down to missed opportunities there in the season. We talk about Bristol. You talk about London Irish. We talk about yes, Sale, yeah. Exeter. You know, all these different times where we 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 had opportunities, Harlequins last week. Harlequins last week. You know, if we'd beaten Harlequins, Harlequins,
2: Harlequins
0: last week, if we'd beaten Harlequins last week, we would be in the top four. As we speak, we didn't, uh, so there so we're not. So there we go, nice and simple. Um, right on that note, we're going to look forward to next week. Um, hopefully, as we said, Jubilee weekend, beautiful. Apparently, it's going to be beautiful weather uh, on a on a lovely plastic pitch um, <laughs> against probably. I'll be honest. I think the champions of England elect. Um, it, it's it's a real opportunity to see where again where we are. Um, and um, if we come out on top, brilliant. If we don't, I think we can all agree that this season has been much better than last season. There's definitely an upward curve, and hopefully, we can. We'll review it more in detail next week. But
2: you know, here's a prediction: whoever wins at Saracens and Harlequins in the playoff will go on to win the league.
0: Agreed. I think that's a I think that's a fair assumption. Right. On that note. Thanks a lot, guys. We will speak again next week. Cheers.